0: Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com.
1: This is Mitchell Davis, host of Taste Matters. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
0: For Young Farmers by Young Farmers. Today we have a special episode in celebration of seeds. Uh, many of us are right now bended over the many seed catalogs, thinking ahead and uh, really tune into the possibilities of this next season. And so it's a great time to talk about seeds, seed rights, seed sovereignty, the supply chain of seeds, and uh, who better to talk about seeds than Jared Distro of. Uh, the Organic Seed Alliance.
1: Welcome to the show, Darren. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really uh, thank you excited. so much yeah. for
0: being there. I heard you're on the road between places, so I'm really thankful that you managed to punctuate your journey with a landline moment.
1: Yeah, I was. I, I'm very. Um, uh, I want to express my gratitude to actually to Bountiful Garden Seed in Willits, California. Let me pull off the road and um, take over uh, one of their offices during the busy seed selling season to to have a landline.
0: Well, it's the it's the uh, informal collegial commons of of steward of stewardship land stewards and seed stewards. It's awesome to have these little lily pads of places who are our teammates. Right. Um, Jared, do you want to just introduce your role at Organic Seed Alliance and some of the fun activities you get to perform in that role? Sure,
1: sure thing. Um, so. My official title: I'm the director. I'm an assistant director of research and education. And for those of you who've never heard of Organic Seed Alliance, we're a a nonprofit that works nationally to try. Essentially, you know, when we think about seed, uh, we all are concerned about the diversity of seed that's out there. In um, and uh, the genetics that exist for, you know, being able to find, you know, the best seed for your farm, for your garden, for your needs. And uh, OSA, Organic Seed Alliance, we, we took a step back and said, in order to have the diversity we need in our agricultural system, in, in our seed, we need to do more than just save seeds. Seeds need to be, you know, not just in a seed bank or, a um, you know, somewhere preserved, they need to be out there being grown by farmers, shared by farmers, and how do we help create the infrastructure that will help that to happen? And so uh, we do a number of different activities. We have an advocacy program that really fights for the rights of farmers to save seed, fights to keep seeds as a a public resource and and push back against the privatization of seeds. Um, But then we also have our research and education program, which is what I'm involved in. And I get to have a ton of fun working with farmers, teaching seed production, um, helping farmers become commercial seed producers and succeed as commercial seed producers, helping farmers and working with farmers and public um, universities to develop new varieties, varieties that are adapted Specifically for organic agriculture, specifically for sustainable agriculture, and um, varieties that are available in the in the public domain that anyone can save the seed of and, um, and and grow on their own farms. So we do a lot of this this education, trying to trying to increase the the quality and diversity of the seed that's available um, to farmers by working from the ground up and getting more. Seed growers out there having more seed companies thriving and getting more varieties that are developed for sustainable agriculture.
0: So let's talk yeah. a little bit about um, how how this existing heritage of um, humanity's longstanding relationship with the genetics of our food plants is being challenged, and what are some of the top ways that uh, we as citizens can act and how are communities already forming around the process of uh, supporting regional seed resilience?
1: Yeah, that's a a, a great question. I think um, seed has been part of agriculture as, as long as agriculture has existed. It's really sort of one of the defining parts of what makes agriculture agriculture is that there's this intentional sowing of seed, of of propagating plants that you want to exist in a specific place and in a specific time, and whenever there's been farmers, those farmers have been seed growers and seed savers, and that um, relationship between farming and seed saving has been something that existed for thousands of years and really only has changed in you know the last hundred hundred and fifty years where we began to see um, more involvement of seed companies in growing and selling seed and and seed companies really did a lot of good for farmers in a lot of ways they helped um, introduce farmers to new varieties that they might not have seen otherwise because they might be able to explore all around the world and find um, things that uh, that that had never before been grown in a particular area and introduced those to farmers and kind of initially a lot of seed companies the way they operated was they were sort of they would introduce a variety and they would not necessarily expect to get a repeat sale from a farmer you know they might sell seed to a, a given farmer of a, a, for a given variety once you know because then the farmer would begin saving seed themselves um a lot of that relationship started to shift for a couple of different reasons. Um, First was the introduction of hybrid varieties. Without going into too much of the technical genetics around hybrids, hybrids are essentially a way to develop varieties of plants that, when you save the seed of those varieties, they don't come true to type, meaning that the, the seed that you save Might not look like the plants that you grew the previous year, and that essentially forms a form of what we would call biological intellectual property protection, because the farmers have to go back to the seed company if they want Uh, the variety that looks the same as you know what they want it to look like. They have to go back and get new seed every year. So this hybrids really took. in in corn initially, but began expanding into other crops and uh, starting in the 30s and 40s and 50s and and really continues to this day where we see more and more uh, crop types being offered as hybrids. And um, hybrids offer a lot of benefits in terms of uh, uniformity, and um, they can make it easier to get varieties that have good disease resistance. But one of the biggest selling points is really a selling point for the seed companies, and that's that farmers uh, cannot reliably save seed from a hybrid and expect that the next generation, the seed they save, will look the same as the previous generation, as the plants they grew. But in addition to hybrids, another change in the landscape happened, starting again around in the 30s and continuing, you know, and accelerating to this day, and that's the enactment of a number of laws that have restricted seed saving that have created intellectual property protection for plant varieties and um, over the years essentially those laws have become more and more restrictive uh, to the point today where some varieties are released in such a way that not only can you not um, grow if, if someone has a patent Essentially, on a variety, not only can you not take that variety and, and sell it yourself—you know, grow seed and sell it um, yourself—but you can't save seed of that variety. You can't use that patented variety to develop new varieties from it. You may not even be able to uh, be allowed to do research on it or you know uh, conduct a trial uh, to, to assess if it's. You know, good variety or not. You know, if you're if you're working in a university and want to get information to farmers about is this variety better than that, um, uh, they may be restricted to do so from a um, depending on what kind of license or patenting is around a variety. So, what we have is as more and more laws have gone up and more and more kind of court decisions have have. Occurred that have restricted seed saving and restricted the rights of people to access varieties. Um, what we see is there is a kind of uh, concurrently with that a real concentration in the seed industry where seed companies have bought each other and consolidated downwards. You know what was once you know hundreds of regional seed companies slowly become, you know, dozens. And now, um, and I would encourage anyone that's listening to this to take a look at a uh, Phil Howard, who's a researcher um, professor at Michigan State University, put together these great charts of the the seed industry structure. And you can see um, in these charts how there might be hundreds of different companies labeled out there. But um, those companies, so many of those companies are all owned essentially by just a a handful of of large multinational companies. And one of the consequences of this incredible concentration in the seed industry is that each time, in general, each time when a company, say company A, buys company B, if each of them carried 100 varieties before, um, and they might be different varieties for, you know, different needs of farmers in different regions. When they merge together, uh, some accountant, not to pick on accountants, but someone in, in in the company will go through that list and say, well, we don't need 200 varieties. That's not as profitable as it could be. And they'll cut their list back down, and they'll drop their hundred least profitable varieties, say. And so each time as we get this concentration in the seed industry, we also have a loss of diversity, a loss of seeds that are commercially available to farmers. And, you know, whenever you talk to farmers, this is a very common frustration where, you know, varieties that may work really well for them that that people have committed, um, that have that kind of committed to that have worked systems around um, kind of figured out the nuances of a particular variety and how to, the timing and and the marketing of it. And then a seed company, either because of a merger um, or because of other reasons, drops that variety. And if they're the only company that carries that variety because it's patented, for example, then that farmer is out of luck and has to start from square one again, finding a new variety. And um, that really can affect farmers' Um, bottom lines, that can make their lives a lot more stressful and um, has been uh, part of, you know, one of the, the, the big problems that, that we see in the seed industry. Now, I think you also asked kind of, okay, well, that's the, the depressing side of things. Um, where is there uh, any positive light and One of the things that I really am so happy to be part of and and really grateful for my job is that there really is, um, on the flip side, in the last, um, you know, 15, 20 years and, you know, really even within the last five years that there's a huge renaissance going on of farmers, you know, all along having realized that they need more varieties and varieties that are appropriate to them, Um, but more and more seed companies, more and more small regional seed companies starting and succeeding at uh, finding varieties that are appropriate for their region, that the farmers in their area really clamor for, and serving those farmers. So we see, you know, more and more popping up around the country, more seed companies Offering a greater diversity of varieties, and we see more farmers growing seed, either for their own use or to um, sell to other farmers, to sell to seed companies, and we see more. Um, you know, the, the the other piece of this is that when we think of seed, and I think this is, um, and I I don't mean to be in any way contrarian, but I think it's. Um, the, the the word um, heirloom often makes you think that this is you know uh, something that that gets passed down from generation to generation you know unchanged and the re- reality is is that seed and, and plant varieties do change and evolve they're you know they're living you know parts of our you know global ecosystem and they when they're grown in farmers fields and saved they change and they adapt they adapt to the climates that they're grown in to the farming practices that they're grown under. And so what we're seeing is that there's more and more of these varieties as they're grown by more farmers. We're seeing more diversity of adaptation out there. Um, and we're seeing more um, farmers really actively trying to create new varieties and new diversity. And we see a, a, a Public universities that traditionally had done a lot of the work developing some of the great um, varieties that are out there for farmers, um, and, and 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 these same universities that had kind of uh, for a while been sort of chased the the bandwagon of more molecular genetics and basic research are, are kind of returning to one of their traditional roles of developing new varieties and, and specifically there's a lot of great public plant breeders out there that are developing varieties specifically for organic farmers and partnering with, with farmers and with these regional seed companies to increase the diversity that's out there. And All of those pieces I see as really you know, promising positive um, solutions to this crisis of concentration in our seed industry. Um, I see a few other really interesting solutions, uh, one of which is kind of taking this idea of patents and restricting seed and and turning it on its head. Um, It's something called the Open Source Seed Initiative. The the Open Source Seed Initiative is, for those of you who have ever heard of open source software, essentially open source software is uh, software that that is that is has a license that has some sort of legal contract attached to it. So using you know law and using all of the things that have been kind of problematic with in inhibiting sharing, but instead using it and flipping it on its head and saying that this contract will be one that enforces sharing. That says um, you know in the case of software, you can take this this. Program This computer program or this piece of software, and you can use it and modify the code in it and create a new program out of it, but you can do all that freely. You just have to also, whatever you create, have it be shareable by others. And some really smart folks, um, uh, Jack Kloppenberg out of University, of Wisconsin, has been one of the real leaders in this saw that model in computer software and said, you know, we can think about this in terms of seed. And so they've been working. Can we? Yeah, go
0: ahead. Am I in the middle of you?
1: No, go go ahead.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the seed rights framework. Um, As articulated by Vandana Shiva and other activists, um, I had a really nice conversation with Vandana because I happened to be at three conferences in a row with her. And she explained in very clear terms Um, the truth force, the the Gandhian principle of holding fast to um, principles of human rights and using that then as a way to order one's activism. And I I don't know what your organizational kind of perspective is on this, but um, the way that she explained it to me was like three points. Number one, the seed has a right. Uh, Number two, we as humans have a long responsibility and relationship with the seed, um, responsibility to stewardship and uh, relationship of our own appetites and agricultural cultures. And then three is that we as humans have a right to that relationship with the seed. And I thought that was a very precise uh, and uh, true reflection of our relationship as humanity with these food plants that we have co-evolved with. And of course, that framework doesn't necessarily align totally with the way that our laws are currently written, um, but I felt like the collision of those of that rights based view and then uh the seed laws that were that are are written and are being kind of adjudicated right now provides a really powerful uh conversational starting off place. so maybe you can reflect a little bit on that
1: yeah, so At Organic Seed Alliance, our fundamental um, principle is one of respecting farmers' rights and honoring their rights as seed stewards. Um, And we've thought about this, and, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different important ways that that reflects, Um, I I think, that an ethical, you know, our, our mission statement says, Um, the ethical development and stewardship of the agricultural resources of um, the the genetic resources of agricultural seed. Um, And and we put the word ethical in there because I think ethics is you have to start with that ethical framework and you have to think about all of this work through an ethical lens and from the lens of um, the farmer and, and saying, you know, what... You know how what what would a seed system look like that is most um, appropriate and, and honors farmers' rights um, and their r- role in seed, um, and you know one that is respectful of you know seed itself and the um, you know the importance of you know the respect for for plants, um, and I think that. Um One of the things that we've really tried to do as an organization is 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 take that and kind of keep that at the forefront of everything we do uh, at the same time as uh, definitely you know thinking about, okay, in practice, what can we do to have farmers have more access to seed? you know what can we do to have farmers have more role in the seed that's being produced? And the seed that they have access to, um, and you know, I think that it, you know, one of the things I find really fascinating is, you know, once you get in, into the the um, weeds, I guess you uh, you know, it, it gets trickier to say, okay, well, if we want new varieties, of, you know, if we want, and one of the things we've been working with is we've been working with. Organic farmers throughout the country that are that have developed varieties um, on their own farms and are continuing to try and develop new varieties that are work really well for their organic systems that are well adapted to competing with weeds to scavenging nutrients to still to having a really high quality and flavor that their markets require and saying okay it's really wonderful and important that we have Farmers that are saving their own seed and developing varieties for themselves, how can we connect those farmers into you know, a, a larger network so that other farmers have access to that seed too? And there's different models of that, but one of those models is saying, you know, the, the time and effort that the farmers have spent developing these new varieties, it would be really nice if they could get some kind of compensation for that so that way they can continue to invest very limited time as farmers for um, you know to, to develop even new varieties I think that you know so many farmers because uh, you know it's such a critical role that farmers play in our uh, you know in our food system in our nation in general you know they're often really asked to step up and do you know above and beyond you know there they're, you know someone comes knocking on their door and saying, "Hey, can you donate produce to this um, fundraiser or you know are you willing to give this talk and farmers say, "Yes, yes yes, we'll do all of these things and same thing with you know farmers that are developing new varieties you know on, on one hand kind of the purest and most you know, simplest thing is you know these farmers you know should share those varieties freely and we agree with the idea of Farmers having the right to share their seeds freely. Um, we also think that there can can be models out there that allow farmers who develop new varieties to receive some sort of compensation for their new varieties, while still allowing other farmers to take those varieties and save them themselves, and you know develop even new varieties for their ecosystems. And so, those kind of you know. Keeping the, the, the ethical framework in place and, and keeping that vision, I think, is really crucial um, You know, as you progress down to the nitty-gritty of, okay, well, how do we actually make this happen? How do we get more farmer seed stewards out there, more farmers saving seed and, and developing varieties for sustainable agriculture um, without just asking them to you know, volunteer more of their, their very, very limited time?
0: So um, one one important point, so we have this conversation about, you know, using open source uh, licensing to kind of recreate the cultural context that has shaped our relationship with seed over time, which is one of openness and co-creation, or as the commoners like to say, a collaboratorium. Um, But I guess a question, just looking at the international at an international context or a kind of a UN basis what what lessons can we learn as Americans confronting our our the regulation of seeds from the experience of other countries um i al- i want to make sure that you know that we have to be very brief because we're running out of time okay. and i also while you're thinking about that answer want to make sure everyone knows that tomorrow at EcoFarm is a full day long Seminar on seeds and seed rights and seed campaigns and open source seed and regional seed production, um, with some of the great thinkers on that, on those topics. Um, Greenhorns is going to be filming that day, and we will be continuing our work in uh, supporting the seed campaigns that are going on. Uh, And Ecofarm also will have that video. And then on January 25th in Yolo, there's a seed swap. at the Grange Hall in Yolo, a potluck seed swap, uh, a talk by Neil Tapar and Rebecca Burgess on community logistics and about the seed campaign. Um, And then if you're interested to find out more about Organic Seed Alliance, they're going to be appearing at a number of conferences around the country, uh, including Moses, let's see, not OCA, doodly-doo, where else are you appearing? We're going to
1: be at Organicology in Portland, Oregon. And... Um, at uh, uh, this week, at uh, I believe the NOFA New York conference is happening, and we'll have um, my boss, our executive director, Michaela Colley, will be there. Um, we'll also be at the Southern Sog conference.
0: All over the place. So great yeah. that you're getting this. You're getting this story out really publicly and. Inviting people to join the campaign and increase their own seed literacy and seed advocacy, and helping the larger food movement get get its voice uh, together and then voice raised to articulate a positive view of what what needs to occur. Do you want to answer that last question about the international context in a yeah. kind of a shortish way?
1: Yes, um, I'm. I, I think that as we as we look internationally, I think that. A couple of things to think about. I think that in some ways we're actually very lucky um, it, uh, in, in terms of the way our seed system works. When we compare it, say, to Europe, um, Europe has a much more regulated seed system where essentially varieties are white-listed. A, a variety can't be sold legally in uh, the European Union unless it's on a, a list, and so. What that means is, and, and in order to get on that list, uh, 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 there's a lot of hurdles in terms of the, the, the testing and trials that have to, those varieties have to go through, which means that, you know, a lot of, you know, the small seed companies that we have in the U.S. and, and a lot of really interesting, exciting varieties that farmers have access to wouldn't um, be able to be available at least legally, uh, you know, above ground, in Europe, there's a big underground seed movement in Europe um, in response to this. So, you know, fortunately in, in the U.S., um, you know, while we have to, you know, keep an eye on the laws and really push back against the, especially against the patenting issue, um, our our seed system is, is allows for and, and we should take advantage of the fact that we really, you know, a farmer can develop a new variety um, or save seed of of you know a variety that he that they have, and um um they can distribute that um there's certain rules that um that that are tied to kind of the quality of that seed, but there's there' the, the the about what there there we have no whitelist, there's no limit to what varieties can and can't be shared, so we're very lucky that way um and certainly something to not you know hopefully you know we won't let. That kind of situation happen here?
0: Amazing. So people have plenty of places now to go learn more and click their little mouseies. Um, as you're thinking about your seed order for this coming season, think about finding a regional seed company, a smaller startup founded by motivated young farmers or seeds people, seed breeders, seed keepers who are working in the direct confrontation with the monopolization of seeds, and who are using their life's energy to build an alternative framework, Um, is there a good place to find those regional seed companies listed? I I saw that the, the Pacific Northwest has a great list of those small seed companies. If you Google regional seed, edible Portland, then you can find a great list in the Pacific Northwest. Are there other places to find your regional seed companies?
1: Um, one good resource out there is um, Margaret Roach, uh, a, a Way to Garden. Uh, she has a, a blog and a, and a podcast, I believe you'd call it, um, a, you know, a regular tape um, series of interviews. She's done a lot of research into regional seed companies, both on the East and West Coast, talked to a lot of the farmers that are making these regional seed companies happen. So I would check out her website to see, um, a, a goodly list of them by no means is ex- exhaustive.
0: Okay, we're running out of time, and I'm okay. going to get scolded. Jared, I can't wait to see you tomorrow in person for the EcoFarm thingy. And thank you so much for joining the show, and please be, give it transfer our thanks to the Bountiful Garden people. In case you don't know, dear audience, Bountiful Garden is a seed catalog offering incredible... Diversity of small plot oriented grains and seeds and also full complement of Northern California intensive, biointensive vegetable seeds from the founders and authors of how to grow more vegetables than you could ever imagine in less space than you think possible. Uh, John Chevins is a major leader and um, this is a seed company that grew out of the work there in Willits. A great one to add to your list of catalogs. Any last words, Jared?
1: No, I mean, thanks Thanks for the interview. And I, I want to echo, echo the fact that one of the most exciting things about working, doing the work that, that we do with seed is that this really is a, a very positive and revolutionary act that you can take part of. You really can create the future when you save seed and grow seed. see to you future. tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Bye,
0: everybody. Okay. See you next week or listen to you.